0: Good evening. Good evening. Please pray with me. Our Father, we thank you for again this awesome privilege that it is for that we can come together this evening as your children, again to have the privilege of opening your Word and ask your Word, that it will not only some be something that we hear, but it will be something that will penetrate our very consciousness, and then so impact us that as we leave this place, that it will be a regular part of our daily living, so that we might truly give you thanks and praise in the course of our existence. I thank you, Father, for this opportunity that we have to hear, to be present, to fellowship one with another. We pray that the words of my mouth and the collective meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. I want to, this evening, for a few moments, and um, I know sometimes people use the term few, and that's relative um, as to what a few means. But I want us to have an investigative, I call it, excursion through the second uh, book of Corinthians, chapter 12, and looking at a few verses. If I tell you how many you might hold me to it. Um, So I'm going to say a few verses. I probably won't go beyond 10 based on time. But just so that you can have a context for where we are going, it's important that we recognize that Paul here is, of course, the author, and he is speaking to the believers at Corinth. Uh, The last time I had the opportunity to speak with you, um, I mentioned the fact that um, Paul is being challenged by some persons in the church at Corinth, because at this time Paul is probably in Ephesus, and it's been a while since he's been back there at the, with the believers at Corinth, and so he's gotten some word that first his first letter that they were doing well, but still there are some who were there who are questioning Paul's apostleship or his authority as an apostle. And so Paul would have written to them, um, defending his apostleship. He continues to some degree with that here in chapter 12 of Corinthians. But also to let you know that this would have not been Paul's preferred choice. Um, He could have spent more time dealing with other matters that would encourage the believers at Corinth. And so he seems to... um, be compelled to respond to these people who were accusing him um, that he was certainly not an apostle. And these persons were boasting about it. And so Paul is here saying, well, if they boast, certainly, according to the flesh, certainly I will also boast according to the flesh. Some said that he was, some said that they were bold. Paul said that I will be bold as well. Some say that I am a Hebrew. Paul says, me too. I am an Israelite. Paul says, me too. I am a descendant of Abraham. Me too. In other words, Paul is setting the stage that there is nothing that they have that is superior to what I have. Are they servants of Christ. And when he says that, he says, look, I'm now speaking as a foolish man, as an insane man. This does not make any sense at all. But me too. He says, with respect to labor, are they working harder than me? Paul challenged that. He says that I work more than they do. I've been in prison more than they have been. I've been beaten more than they have been. Is this a strange thing to brag about? That seems so contrary to today. If we're going to brag, we normally don't brag about these kinds of things that happen to us. Labor, hard work, do you brag? Maybe in some context you hear people brag about, I work harder than you. I've been in prison more than you. I've been beaten more than you. I've been in danger of death more than you have. It says five times I've been whipped, beaten by my fellow Jews. Five times with 39 uh, slashes or lashes with uh, the whip. Three times he's been beaten with a rod. Stone once. Almost to death. Three times, at least three times, he's been shipwrecked. All of these things Paul is saying. In other words, those persons who are accusing me or challenging me with respect to my apostleship, what are they bragging about? What is it that they're talking about? Today, of course, and maybe even back then, they were talking about their rhetoric or how well they can speak and some other things that they attribute to their own um, accomplishment, their own acquired wisdom. Paul, very subtly, but I thought very effectively chose to use some other things to brag about. Shipwreck, he talked about in dangers of rivers, people trying to ambush him. That's the things that he talked about with respect to bragging. And so that's the context. And by the time we come to chapter 12 and verse 1, you, it picks up, and Paul goes on to add some further examples, and he goes on to what we call Revelations And or visions and revelations. But just before we get there, let me ask you, and I don't know, sometimes we take for granted the things that God has so graciously, consistently, abundantly given to us day after day. I am looking, I was not born, and I think I was there, I was not born in the hospital. Is anybody here not born in a hospital? Um, only three and a half. Uh, thank you. OK. Um, some people would, but if you understand just the biology of it, even birth itself I won't even talk about conception being the miracle. Birth itself is a miracle. What did you do? What did you or what can you brag about about your birth? What do you have to do about it? You're thinking. What about your presence here tonight? What did you do to be where you are tonight, right here? What did you do to make sure, guarantee that you would be here this evening? You, you phoned for a ride. Uh-huh. That means you knew you were going to be here last week. The same thing, you phoned for a ride. We have no guarantee that we will be here tomorrow. says, Diane will phone next week for a ride. She's going to be here next week. But we have no guarantee of that. So when I look back, we sang earlier about our, our mighty God, who is indeed our fortress. I conclude that it was all because of him that we are here this evening. And I guess some of us would have gone through some things. And still we are here. I can even, I think, conclude that maybe some of us can recall some people who we went to school with, even maybe before you were allowed to get into school, maybe preschool, that you grew up with, but they are no longer here. As we say, the cold hands of death has taken them away. And yet you are here. What is it that you did that caused you to be here? What can you brag about that caused you to be here? Is it because you have taken care of yourself? You ate the right food? You kept the right company? You tried to? Yes. What is it that you did to guarantee your presence here this evening? You checked up or you went to the doctor regularly? That's why you're here. No. As a matter of fact, some of you, your first doctor may have passed on. (laughs) Your doctor gone, the one who was checking you up. He checked out. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God. Everything. And because we live by moment by moment, we don't, I don't think, give enough thought that every breath that we take is a gift from God. And so because it's happening so consistently, we slide from one moment into another, from one minute into the next, the next hour, the next day, the next week, the next month, the next year, decades. And you pause and you say, wow, here I am at this age. How did I get here? When there are others who I met have grown up with or some who came much later after me and they are not here. What's the reason for that? Well we don't know. What's the reason that you are here? Again, it's all I think because of God. It's all because of God's God's grace. It's God's schedules, God's timing. The thorn, is it humiliating or humbling? Was there ever a time that you looked forward to being pierced by a thorn or with a thorn? Have you ever had a cross to bear and you took every opportunity to brag about it? Should you? That seems so crazy. Somebody go bragging about something that is we call it bad happened to you. A thorn in the flesh? A cross to bear? That's nothing to brag about. If you hear somebody bragging about something like that, you'd probably volunteer to call for the a ride to the pink place. You say they're not seen. Something is wrong with them. Let me ask this hypothetical question, only because you don't know how to you won't answer me if I ask you out loud. Do you believe that God allows thorns to come into your life? I know he won't answer, so let me, let me suggest to you. I think he does. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I'm going to tell you, uh, I'm hoping I can guide you through this brief excursion to show you where it actually happened. As we even mentioned some of the things that happened to Paul, do you think God had anything to do with that when he was getting beaten up, you know, five times? shipwreck. Where was God when he was shipwrecked? Do you think he prayed when the sea got rough and um, those people had him incarcerated? Do you think he prayed? Do you remember some other people who were praying in prison? Why is it that God allowed that to happen to them, to him, to you, to me? Do you call that thorn? Do you call that cross? Sometimes it may be circumstances. Some people sometimes refer to it as people. You have some people on your back you call your cross. <laughs> say this, That's my cross. And sometimes we say it in jest, you know, but, child, this, this person is my cross. But you don't say that braggingly. You're trying to get rid of this cross because you, you don't want to carry this. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. Pause. I must go on boasting or bragging or glorifying in this, though there is nothing to be gained by it. In Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 10, Paul says this, As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be silenced in the regions of Achaia. Though there is nothing to be gained by it, it is not expedient, it is not advantageous or rational, it is not pragmatic. What is the use of bragging about these things? It seems like the believers back there current, unless you were bragging about your accomplishment, you know, you didn't get any respect. And Paul was trying to avoid that. Why would you want to do that? Paul's view is that, and I conclude that it should be ours. We should not be. We should not be uh, called to or forced to, to brag about these things. And yet, it seems like the believers there their currents for doing just this. Paul said it is not advantageous to do so. It doesn't seem rational. And if somebody is not rational, we say, they, you, you crazy? And that's essentially what Paul is saying here. He says, now I go on to something else. I'll go on to tell you, not only have I gone through all of these things, gotten beaten up, um, threatened of death from time to time, in prison. I've also had visions. I will go on to visions. And visions are always seen uh, as something that can be seen. It is a presentation perceived in a state which is neither sleeping or waking. Now, I know some people talk about sleepwalking, you know, and going in the fridge, either to get something to eat, or thought that the refrigerator was someplace else, that they shouldn't go to have any exchange from bodily um, function. All visions of this type are revelations, but not all revelations are visions. And so he goes on to visions and revelations. And these revelations, these are the truths that are apprehended as a result of Visions so that they may be seen or perceived in other ways. And these are of the Lord. So if Paul have visions and revelations, and he's going to mention them now, and that come across as if he's boasting, Paul said, I didn't want to even go there about these things. He talked about those other people who talked about what they have endured or what they have accomplished. Paul flipped it. He talks about the negative things, the thorn, the things that has happened in his life. And that's what he's going to brag, boast about. And so, and very subtly, listen to how Paul approaches this. Look at verse two of Second Corinthians twelve, two. I know a man. Hmm. He didn't say me, Paul. I, Paul, he, I know a man. He didn't name the person, which would be second person. He talked as if he's talking about a third person, a third person, we say in grammar, a third person. But this person was, in fact, four. But he says, I know a man. But here's what I think is critical. This man was in Christ. What comes to mind when you hear a person being in Christ? Christian? Yes. I know a man in Christ. This is a very, I think, sublime thought, provoking, if you please, engendering or expressing a sense of grandeur and awe. For we reach our full stature only when we are in Christ. Paul says, I know a man, referring again to himself, who was in Christ, who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, third heaven. Now some people, that of course draws the attention. A third heaven. Well, I'm uncertain as to whether or not this was with reference to Acts. In Acts chapter 22, verse 17, it says, and I quote, when I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance. Maybe this is the vision, the revelation that he had at that time. And he says this with respect to that. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. But I think this is a powerful description of the absorption of all of his conscious bodily modes of apprehension. Paul says in terms of, I knew a man 14 years ago, you know, and I was caught up into the third heaven. Whether I was in my body, whether my body went with me there, I don't know whether I, my body was left here, but my spirit went, I do not know. So we need not have that argument. If Paul says he doesn't know, I'm going to be with him. I know either. And if any of you have something, please advise Paul so I can join with you. But I don't know. Paul simply says, God knows. But I think it's a very powerful description of what took place. Paul, all of our modes, how do we appreciate our environment? Because of what we see, what we hear, what we sense, the touch, and if you have the opportunity, what you taste, what you smell. Paul is saying, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven. Whether I was physically there, I don't know. In the body or out of the body, I know. I just don't know. He rests his case by saying, God knows. Verse 3. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Hmm. First he says, third heaven. Now he says, paradise. I conclude. Third heaven and paradise are synonymous. The same place. Amen and amen. (laughs) I think it is the same place. So here, but watch the transition when he slip into, because somehow later on he's going to say, not the third person, a man. He's going to refer to it as himself. Pay attention as we go through this excursion. Again, verse 3. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. That's the second time he said that. I think we should take note of that. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. Then verse 4 says this. And he heard things. That cannot be told, which man may not utter. He is still saying he is not talking about. He didn't say me or I. He's still talking about this man he knew, fourteen years ago. This man heard things that he cannot or kept, that cannot be told, which may not be uttered. These are incapable of being expressed in words. Wow. Unutterable unspeakable, indescribable, exceeding the power of speech. Have you ever been someplace and you say, boy, i was speechless? Now, we say that a lot for a lot of things, but it ain't true. We say, boy, I was speechless. You know, I, I just lost for words. Maybe, however, briefly. But you have words for that, you know. We never know what it is that Paul experienced. He says there's something, what he saw or he experienced, you couldn't put in words. Have you ever seen a color that you couldn't describe? Have you ever heard a sound that you couldn't imitate? Yeah, you say, I, I can't speak that language. Well, yeah, yeah. that... that. Um, you ever had you, 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 a smell that you said you can't put in words? And you say, I, I smelled it, it was... And you can't find... You always have to go back to a previous experience. You ever thought about an original sound, and then you try to describe it to somebody who hasn't... Heard that sound before? Try to imitate it? You saw a the commercial with the persons who went to the mechanic, and this is, I don't remember which commercial it was, but if they wanted to describe what's wrong with their car, and they start imitating the sound that the car is making, and the mechanic says, hey, I got it, okay, I know what's wrong with it. That's some good mechanic. <laughs> All right? But the person who was able to describe it, it was <laughs> thats oh, I know, pull over here you have this kind of problem. Good for the mechanic. Good for the person who's able to diagnose or at least imitate the sound. But imagine like Paul here, being taken, caught up into paradise. What do you think that is? Where is that? Experiencing all of his senses was in that environment at that time. When he comes back, what he saw, he couldn't tell nobody. Couldn't find words for it. Amazing. What do you think it's going to be like when you get to paradise? What do you think it's going to be like do you remember the man who was on the cross with Jesus when he died? And Jesus assured him, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. If you went to paradise, would you want to come back and tell people who was there? Would you use that to brag with? Isn't that nice? Now, that's some high kind of stuff. Where have you been? I've been to Disney World. Where have you been? You know, but if somebody says, I've been to the third heaven or to paradise. You'd, you'd probably, you text yourself in Paris. you'd be telling somebody, you won't wait to get back to tell somebody how exciting it was. But I don't think Paul, this man, he knew 14 years had that kind of um, technology available. And he got back and still even here he doesn't tell us what it is. All he says I, I know a man, not even trying to deflect attention from himself. And, and I saw things, heard things, this man that is not there's no words for it. Literally, there's no... I don't know how to describe it. What do you think heaven is going to be like? You could only rock your head as a child. <laughs> I don't know. But it's going to be nice. It's going to be wonderful. No wonder people who tend to go there don't want to come back. I don't want to come back because you have a perception um, of what this world is like. And some people will say, "Boy, well, things tough here for various reasons. Conditions are not very good, at least not as good as you'd like for it to be. And yet sometimes we contradict that by the way we behave because we don't want to leave here. If you met an appointment, Jesus says, I'm coming to take you out tomorrow and get ready. You say, already? But I I have something I want to do next year. Could I get an extension on that? Not Paul. Verse 4 again. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. Verse 5. On behalf of this man, I will boast. Now, come on. What, what do you think just happened be How could you boast? Somebody is challenging you. You pick another person and decide, that I'm going to use what happened to this man, and I'm going to boast about him as if it is me. You just lost your case. Your credibility has just been Shattered. Yeah, I think it's a very subtle way that he's saying that man is in fact me on behalf of this man I will boast and these are legitimate subjects of boast that he's mentioned because they are heavenly privileges Not earthly grounds to show that you are superior to anybody else But on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weakness The rest of verse 5. Again, on behalf of this man I will boast, but on my own behalf I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Do you know or do you have any weaknesses? Do you ever brag, boast, get excited about them? I don't know. You ever had a splinter in your finger? You know, um, do, do you know that G, O-G, have you heard anybody ever said that OG? Oh, do you know that OG is short, an abbreviation for Jesus? Do you know that's where it came from? But we nobody's paused to recognize it because they said if you say Jesus, somebody said stop calling the Lord' name in vain. So, but be very creative. So we say OG oh, and stop. You can't say I say Jesus. I only say G. Anything could be G. <laughs> it's amazing. You ever say gosh? We think gosh is gosh is God. But if you say, gosh, you can't be literally, legally accused of saying God. But that's how we do. We are very subtle and very creative in terms of communicating certain things. What about this case here? On behalf of this man, boast, Splendor in your finger. I knew I was running through the bush when I was shorter than I am now. And um, can you imagine? No, don't, don't try that. Because I was going to ask you, can you imagine me, because in those days, I probably wore short pants more than I do today. But that was a spectacle in itself. But imagine that, Brother Lindsay, running through the bushes, and then, um, you know, I I, I got a, I don't know, a twig, something, and it stuck me in the foot. I wasn't aware of it immediately. I just thought, just got a scratch, until I stopped. They used to call me, as I told you before, uh, um, cracking bush, because I love going, used to call it rambling. These, these young people, like standing you know nothing but that. But rambling through the bush, you see? And so when I was running through the bush, this break off, and it stuck me on the... Um, what is it? It was part of the bone, because I didn't get much flesh. But it, going, it, still, it stuck me. When I stopped and I saw it, when, and I tried to get it. It was difficult, because it wasn't like in the bottom of your feet. You probably have a more uh, thicker skin. And so it was difficult. And today, there is still a scar on the side of my foot. Now, I'm thinking... As I was even reading this, what's something literally that spares my flesh? Can I brag about that? And if you did, people call you really stupid. You know, you got hurt and you're bragging about it. Or no one said, Look, I got this thorn, you know, in my foot. Look at this. Isn't it cute? Mom, take a picture. You know, it's crazy. We don't, that is so abnormal, unnatural. Likewise, you and somebody, but let me ask you, but don't you remember someplace in a book that says that, that we should, um, when you are persecuted, you know, you should, what? Rejoice? Now you're talking, you're talking fool, and I said talking fool is a serious thing. You don't rejoice if somebody is persecuting you, do you? As a matter of fact, we try to get rid of the persecution. As a matter of fact, you even come in and ask, to please pray for me, you know, that the persecutor, is taken out, <laughs> you know, Lord, so that my persecution could stop. We don't want no cross. We certainly don't want no thorn. But that's so natural. And so what Paul is doing here is so unnatural. And yet, as we read, Paul is saying, this is his preference, you want me to brag. I'm going to brag about my weaknesses. Do you have any weaknesses? Don't tell me. You know, I don't know. You know, by looking, you look perfect. Oh, yeah, it, this is amazing. You know, but I suspect, based on the text, that I and I can tell you, I have some profound weaknesses. And my suspicion is that if you've been born of a woman, you might have one as well. You know, so all of us have them. But do we brag about them? But who gets the ultimate glory when Paul brags about his weakness? Who gets the glory? When we do brag, if it is not about our weakness, we brag about our accomplishments. Um, Maybe your looks, your affluence, maybe your social standing in certain uh, groupings. Maybe you said, I know so-and-so, I know people, you know. I am a part of this elite grouping here. I belong to this party, you know, this organization. And that gives you clout, status. Really? That's what you brag about when you stand up? Or do you talk about what would otherwise be your failures? You name all, well, don't necessarily name the person, but you name the people who maybe are trying to harm you, who speak ill of you, those things that you are weak in. You've heard, and I'm sure we hear them often, sometimes what we call organ recitals, when people, you meet someone, they tell you everything wrong with them, every organ in their body, something wrong with them. So, so Sister Diane, you're not the only one who plays the organ. <laughs> All right. Some other people play the organ recital pretty good. My kidney ain't good today, you know. And so, I want to talk with my heart. I get a little fluttering, you know. You know. And my I breathing, my shortness of breath, my lungs ain't that good either, you know. And my appendix, I don't write with that pen no more. But that is, if something else is wrong with you, you know, and then they go on right to the head. My head ain't good, which is your brain. <laughs> you know, everything is wrong with it. And they're saying that for empathy? Are they bragging? Or does they say, pray for me? You know, my strength in the Lord. It sounds good if you listen just to the words. But Drew, they really want his strength to remove these things. Verse 6 says this. Though I should wish to boast, I... Would not be a fool for I would be speaking the truth if I mentioned these things that has happened to me I would be telling the truth so it would not be like I'm inflating or exaggerating the truth Because these things are in fact true. These have certainly been my experiences But I refrain from it he says so that no one might think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me Wow If you've been to heaven and back. You think you can get an interview on TV? You've had one. You've seen them. Right? So you, I've, I've heard something with this little fellow, a boy. Yeah? They, I didn't see, I heard it once. Um, recent times, who seem to have had an experience of, of heaven. And you've heard, I'm sure, over the years, persons who said they've died. And they thought what they experienced was a glimpse of heaven. They always talk about this bright light and um, some other things. I'm always dressed in white or something white appearance of some being. But what about you? If you had that experience, do you think you could put that in a book form? Maybe make some leisure? A little money? A little change? (laughs) Because you would have an interview, you know, an exclusive interview with a certain populist Station or radio a radio station or television station, and then put that in book form, become the bestseller because you would have been bragging, boasting, glorying in your experience. Paul chose not to do that. Here's what it says in verse seven. So to keep me from becoming conceited, wow. Well, Snotty, (laughs) cocky, narcissistic, (laughs) vain, arrogant. To keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation. A thorn was given me in the flesh. Well, I know you could read ahead. Who gave him this thorn? this was to act as a precaution so that Paul, who had this amazing experience, and what is also, do you remember this is the same Paul who went down in the elevator once? I mean, the basket? Ooh, that's, that's, that's not something to brag about because some people were trying to kill him. They're trying to, I guess, hijack, ambush him, you know, and so Paul got word that it, when you leave the city tonight, at sunset, some people hanging out by the gate, they can hijack your boy. So the believers led him out through a little window hole in the wall. So Paul was the first one going down, and that basket, that's what they call it then. Today we call it the elevator, down. But he had to do that in secret, just so that his life can be spared. And then that's a load for Paul. Then here he is now telling about this only because these people are challenging him as to his apostleship, his authority. And still, he doesn't tell you what it is. All he tells you is that I had this experience. Now, that's, that's going from what we said this morning about valley experience, mountaintop. Now, that succeeds or supersedes the mountaintop experience. This is going straight past the mountain into paradise. Now, that's a marvelous experience, an awesome experience. Third heaven into paradise. And now, if I had to choose what to brag about, you'd say, no question. Let me tell you about this. I don't say I know a man. I, first person. And some people, this is 14 years now when he's bringing it, ago. I mean, as soon as you come back, you would say, hey, I need a press conference. You'll come quick. Let me tell you something. I've been there. I've, now, again, what he has seen and heard, his total experience, as we mentioned earlier, there are no words for it. So he kept it quiet because it was not about him if it was not something that can glorify God, chose to keep it quiet. That is so unnatural for us, generally speaking, as humans. But in verse 7, he says this, So to keep me from becoming conceited, having had that experience, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given me in the flesh. Hmm. Now, we do not know exactly what this thorn was. There are all kinds of speculation of what this is. Some people say it was probably he had an eye problem. Maybe some people say it was he had a speech problem that was bothering him. He may have had malaria or migraine headaches and some sort of deformity in appearance, or maybe a source of temptation. Whatever it was, it manifested that, Paul, you're weak in this particular area, whatever it was. I like the fact that it wasn't mentioned because we would have said, I have that kind of thorn," all right, or... Only that thorn that was was mentioned would have been recognized as a thorn. But all of us have a weakness, a thorn. But listen to what he says. This thorn that was given to him, a messenger of Satan. And when Satan shows up, Satan never has your best interest at all. It is to harass him. But isn't it true that what the devil would, we say, meant for harm, God turns it around for good. And God is not impotent. He is not powerless to what's going on here. He is very much involved. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to torment me, to hinder, to cause me tremendous suffering, even embarrassment, to keep me from becoming conceited again. The potential for us to become conceited is very easy. And Paul says, I needed this thorn," But he doesn't say that when the first happened because we will see it immediately in a few verses following, that that was not his experience. To keep me from becoming conceited. Successful service to Christ depends on a weak servant. Successful service for Christ depends on a Weak servant. Think about the contrast. Servant. A weak servant. If we think that we are strong in ourselves, sometimes that gets to our head. We can say that I can do this all by myself because I'm strong. I can handle this. That's a problem. Think about it this way. I see in jewelry stores sometimes that they want to display A diamond have you ever seen the way they put this diamond but according to the lighting on it they put this on a black velvet background or something black those people get something up their sleeve because the contrast is stark in other words you can better appreciate the diamond when it's against this bright glowing thing you put the appropriate lighting there and then on this black background boy it sparkles at you as a matter of fact it might even call your name say come here take a closer look at me so the contrast is there. So we don't really appreciate the beauty of the diamond unless it is against the backdrop, the light in here. Well, we'll have light outside as well. But we only can really appreciate the light when you are in utter darkness. Otherwise, you'd say it's just normal. Contrast. And so here when I say that the successful service for Christ depends on weakness or weak servants, the weaker we are, the more powerful Christ Accomplish the ministries that He's called us to. So that when it is done, you and I can't brag and say, I did it my way. It's because of me. And so when I am weak, then really I'm strong. But not because of my own strength. That is imputed strength that comes from God Himself. Three times I plead with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. This thorn in the flesh that Paul had, he prayed about it. It's not natural, right? Because this thorn was uncomfortable, painful, hurtful. And so he prayed. How many times? Three times. The first time he prayed, God answered him. What do you think God says? No. The second time he prayed, mm-mm, no. Three times, I pleaded with the Lord about this, That it should leave me. Hmm. Why would Paul want the Lord to remove this thorn from his flesh? Why would we try to get rid of this thorn in the flesh? Why would you want God to remove your specific thorn from your flesh? Is there anything that you have now giving it some thought? What is a thorn? What is a distraction, a painful experience, a weakness, a suffering, Something that you've been praying for for a long time, maybe more than three times, maybe three times within an hour, certainly three times in a day, you've been con- consistently praying about this, and yet up to this point, God seemed to have made no changes. So, in effect, it says no, He's still in waiting mode, or simply no is His final answer. But why would you want God to remove your specific thorn in the flesh? Here's the thought. If you are selfish and you know it, say amen. Thank you, let's keep moving. All right. Paul prayer was not answered, but not in the way that well, let me put that in another way, Paul Prayer was in fact answered, but not in the way that he had anticipated. God in effect said that he will not remove the thorn, but he will do something even better while the thorn still stays there. Now you say, God, that's not what I bargained for. Please move the thorn. I thought, you thought, we thought that God knows best. We sometimes say that, don't we? God knows best. But when it comes to my specific thorn, God, I think I know a little better. This this is too painful. Please move this. Move it now. And if you hesitate, For some people, they tell God, I'm not talking to you anymore. They stop talking. They don't pray. Their relationship, their fellowship with God um, is severed. The relationship is intact. That's something because uh, that cannot be reversed. And we were reminded of that this morning um, from our brother Patrick. It is secure. But certainly our fellowship can be severed. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should should leave me. But he said to me, hmm. My grace is sufficient for you. We have memorized that so often. My grace is sufficient for you. He got his answer. My grace is sufficient for you. Do you think God still has that kind of grace available that He can apply to us in our specific area of? Weakness, where our specific thorn is. And so when we're asking him, like Paul, please, Lord, take this away. Pray. You've done it personally. You have shared it with others and say, so that we have corporate prayer towards this specific thing, asking God to please remove this from me. In your prayer, have you ever heard these words? My grace is sufficient for you. Have you ever heard that and then, Like Paul. Paul, there's no indication ever after this that Paul ever prayed to ask for this thorn to be removed from him at all. Because he heard the answer My grace is sufficient for you. I will give you grace to bear it. Because God is who He is. God might not always give us what we ask for, but He always will give us what we need most. God may not give us what we ask for, but because he is who he is, sovereign, supreme, omnipotent, he has no shortcoming, he will always give us what we need. That means that it is possible that we do not always know what we need most. We can easily be distracted, the thorn in our flesh, and we want to get rid of that because it is causing us discomfort. That's okay, If God sees that, Satan would like that, because, again, he was used as the messenger to deliver this. And he wants to harass, torment, discourage you, depress you. And God is thinking, then you're asking, Lord, take this away so I can not be depressed, so I don't feel the discomfort. And God has something better in mind. And the point is we have to come to, I think, and I believe, is that God is answering, saying, my grace is sufficient for you. He says, my grace is sufficient. I like that. The truth challenge is this. Sometimes we do not know what, or know that we do not know what we do not know, and therefore we do not know what we need. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul was completely satisfied with the Lord's answer, so he said, therefore... I will boast or I will glory all the more gladly of my weakness thorn in the flesh so that the power of Christ may rest on me. Bang! Why is it that he wants to glory in his weakness? So that the power of Christ might rest upon him. Ah, again, it doesn't have anything to do with his own selfish glorying in himself. Lord, when I am weak, then you can show up and be strong. And so you get all the glory, all the praise. Therefore, I will glory or boast all the more gladly of my weakness, that is the thorn in my flesh, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. J. Oswald Saunders said it well, and I quote, The world's philosophy is... What can't cure you must be endured. But Paul radiantly testifies, what can't be cured can be enjoyed. I enjoy weakness, sufferings, privations, and difficulties. End of quote. That is so unnatural. And yet, that is in fact exactly what Paul did, and in fact, what we should all be doing. Verse 10, and I will conclude with this. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness. Why is it that you have the thorn the flesh, the weakness, for the sake of Christ? If we can reach that point, where whatever it is that we are bearing, this cross, this thorn, if it is for Christ's sake, then we can endure it. Because I'm reminded again of Scripture that tells us that he will never put more on us than we can bear. And God does not, cannot lie. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardship, persecution, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The contrast here, I think, is intensely vivid. I mentioned earlier with the light and darkness. We have weakness, strong, light, and darkness, being despised or being celebrated. I mentioned a sparkling diamond on a black background of velvet. You can have grave sickness, and then by contrast, you have excellent health. Freedom, you have incarceration, you have peace you have war naturally speaking it is quite difficult if not impossible for us to take pleasure in this uh, type of experiences listed here however I believe that the difficulty and impossibility disappears when we find a strong enough reason for embracing them don't miss it here it is for the sake of Christ for the sake of Christ. It is when we are conscious of our own uselessness and weakness that we must depend on the power of God. Yes, you and I do have thorns, weaknesses. We certainly pray and ask God to move them. But be aware that there is a possible answer that may come back to you. My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. I conclude with saying this. It was I quote from Philip Brooks who says, Do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger people. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your task. Then the doing of your work shall be no miracle, but you shall be a miracle. Every day you shall wonder at yourself, at the richness of life which has come to you by the grace of God. End of quote. My grace is sufficient. Let us pray. Our Father, thank you for reminding us this evening that indeed your grace is sufficient. Lord, we recognize that we do have thorns, we do have weaknesses. Lord, cause us to adopt the attitude and practice of our elder brother Paul, who took pride and joy in his weaknesses, for your sake, not just for his own selfish pride, but so that Christ might be exalted and glorified. Lord, it is our collective prayer that we too would have this mindset. And where we don't, Lord, we ask for your grace so that we might reach that level of maturity in our own lives. Thank you for reminding us of this truth that when we are weak, then we are really strong because our own weaknesses will give you an opportunity to be highlighted in our lives. Thank you for your word, and thank you for your children and the opportunity we've had this evening to share your word together. And now as we leave this place, we pray that the truth of this word would resonate with us as we go into the coming week to exalt you in the areas that you've called us with our weaknesses, may we have this joy that Paul has exemplified and exuded through these words. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.